You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Hey, guys. Uh, man, fun CarCast episode for you today. Well, they're all fun. At least I think so. We are going to chat about the SSC setting the, uh, the, the world record for a production vehicle top speed. And I'm going to give you my thoughts on the Defender, the Land Rover Defender 110, the new Defender that I've been driving for a few days. I'm going to get spend a little more time in it, but give you some thoughts on that and some more stuff. Before we get started, uh, some word from our friends at Madison Reed Mister. Maybe you're working from home, staring at you and your coworkers, gray hair on a video calls. Oh, man, thinking about coloring it? Well, you're not alone. Madison Reed Mister, it's gray blending, natural-looking color for your hair and beard. I saw the before and after shots, and like they look great. There's no none of that shoe-polished look. It looks actually pretty good, pretty natural. So maybe you just want a little more pepper and a little less salt. Well, Madison Reed Mister makes it easy to find the color match on their website as well. So check that out. It's quick and easy. Just apply the color gel to your gray hair, to your hair, then the activator, wait 10 minutes, then rinse in uh, shampoo. They uh, they deliver right to your door, so it's pretty easy to get. Go to Madison Madison Reed That's Madison Reed R E E D M R dot com, and use code Adam ten for ten percent off plus free shipping on your first box. Again, that's Madison Reed dot com, code Adam ten for ten percent off. Welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndre, here with Bill Goldberg. How you doing? What's up, brother? Holding down the fort. Things are good? It's great, man. Some good news this week, you know, with, uh, we got some cool stuff to talk about. We do. I, I, uh, I went and got the mail the other day and uh, got my fresh copy of DuPont Registry. And, uh, and I said, great. What a perfect time to hit the bathroom and start reading <laughs> and about about four pages or eight pages or something into it i see you in a gorgeous metron garages ad print well, ad. thank god i couldn't see you <laughs> yeah i like i didn't call i didn't like zoom during the during the process but uh uh, I I love that that they're uh, they're they're so excited about working with you as as much as you are working with them because we talk about it all the time and and uh, talking about this garage and, and they teased a few little you know like a little bit of the rendering that's in there I was gonna I was gonna I was gonna bust your balls a little bit about it because the, the one picture has the Dodge but the other one has I don't know something like a Tesla or a BMW in the background I was like yeah. come on like I, I, who's doing the renderings over there. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it. Man. I, didn't, I had nothing to do with that. You know, they're learning. They're learning. Yeah. The fact is, is that, you know, they've, they've uh, traditionally done commercial space and now they're venturing out into these big monstrosities that I call a garage, but uh, it's, it's going to be awesome, man. And they're, they're, they're very excited, but not nearly as excited as I am. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. I've talked about it for God knows how long, and everybody's sick of it, including you, probably. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm I'm very much looking forward to. It. Wanna... We got to talk about those stairs too, because I think I'm I've, I've got the same set that you guys did. Oh yes, shit! And I forgot to send you more information about that. It's just been no, but I think I got them already. Yeah, uh, we'll talk afterwards. But I, I think it's the same company. Um. Okay, and then I. I think we should talk to the Metron guys at some point. I think they should get a little bit further along on your project. And then I want to uh, maybe just have them on the show. I want to talk about what they've been doing, how they've grown the company, and and uh, some of the packages that they're doing. By the way, these guys are cool. It's sort of a prefab garage or whatever uh, that you need built for, from them, but they don't have to do 15,000 square feet. You know what I'm saying? Like they could do. They can scale up and down. They work with you, and then they kind of, I assume, as much prefab as possible. They're building this place uh, as as much as they can. <clears throat> excuse me, at their location, and uh, then they bring it over and they basically try to assemble the thing kind of quickly, uh, to the extent that you pick one of the 
one of the buildings, garages, structures, or whatever out of their catalog, then it's been done before. Once you start mm-hmm. making modifications to it, then there's an architect involved, there's builders, and and blah blah blah. Like any prefab uh, a building, that's the way it works. Now we went down this road, like Carol and I went down this road on he was going to build a house, and we talked to a bunch of prefab companies, and then we uh, I started looking into it more and more, and. You know, once you start modifying one of the pretty fab plans, it <laughs> it's it, like a car. Yeah, it it's starts the same to, thing. It, once you start adding stuff, number one, things go wrong, mm-hmm. and number two, things take longer. Or maybe you could reverse the <laughs> order there. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it is it is what it is. Same thing with the car, right? Hey, do you want to make an all carbon fiber? Yeah, that'd be oh, it's another six months. So I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's. Uh, it's customization. I mean, it is what it is. The fact is they have cookie cutter models, a number of them already, but once you can, you can venture out and customize it like anything else to your liking. So, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited. Like I said, they've done uh, commercial stuff. Uh, the car washes was their main kind of source, but uh, one, two car garages, they've really jumped into that scene. But now, you know, they just finished, I think it was a 12,000 square foot facility for a personal garage for a guy at this property. So um, they're moving wow. up, man. They're expanding. It, it's it's reflective of that entire industry, that prefab industry. Like we said, when we were looking into houses and, and things like that, there was a lot of like prefab uh, – uh, ADUs, as they're called, additional dwelling units, like a guest house you'd put behind your house. Roadkill nights. Yeah. Remember? Remember yeah. the tour we got? Yeah, those guys. So we're going to talk to those guys, too. We've got a meeting with them, I think, about a week or so, see what's going on with them. But uh, it started off with with smaller dwellings like that. And then as it got bigger and as we started looking into the prefab stuff, we kind of liked the idea of, of houses and, and different dwellings being built like in a factory to spec. Because when you're on site, guys are just slapping the wood and stuff together. And when they're drilling wood through – through uh, all the beams, like for a conduit and stuff, you know, if they're off or, or something like that, then they just drill another hole, off. right? They just drill another yeah. hole and you got a hole and some beam and it's hidden by drywall, whatever. When it's all prefab, everything is done like precisely, Perfect. you know? So yeah. I like that. But before you couldn't do large scale stuff. Now you can do large scale stuff. They could build it in different components and assemble it in a giant warehouse or hangar you know, the components, and then they bring it, take it apart and they bring it back and it's like Legos and they just put everything together. And, uh, you know, what the nice part about it is, is once they do all of that and their foundation is built and all of that groundworks is done, once they show up with the whatever dozen, two dozen semi trucks of pieces, (laughs) it can come together pretty quickly. Like for the most part, it could just take a, a couple of weeks, you know, for the size of the place you're doing. If somebody was doing a two car garage, they they would yeah. show up and 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 build that stuff in five days, you know, and, no and and you'd be good. But uh, but a twenty car, and a yeah. thirty, yeah, it's a little. Different. It's going to take but I mean, longer, you know. but you don't have to walk outside and stare at this thing for eighteen months as it's getting built, right? Once it gets well, happened, unless you're unless you're helping GC it, like I'm probably gonna <laughs> you're going to be out there. And go, you're going to be asking more questions than anything. Else. What are you doing that for? Where's that go? What's go? Come on. Uh, Anyway, before we get things uh, kicked off, uh, we're from our friends at Dodge. We all know that Dodge means horsepower and muscle, but did you know that J.D. Power just ranked Dodge number one for initial quality? J.D. Power also named Dodge the automotive company with the best driver appeal for mass market brands. There's never been a better time now than join the brotherhood of muscle. So see your local Dodge dealer today. Go to Dodge.com. All right, so your uh, congratulations to the guys over at uh, SSC. The Tuatara is what we think it's called. <laughs> Tuatara. That's uh, a guesstimate. The, uh, their crazy supercar, hypercar. I don't even know what, what, what category this goes into now. <laughs> uh, it feels like the wording changes Jet all the fire. time. But, but a very, very cool car. Just set the reset. I think it was... These guys did it with their first car, the Arrow, I think, and then uh, and then Bugatti, and then Koenigsegg did it with the Agera RS, 
Um, I think Bugatti didn't qualify because it wasn't technically a production car. They did like a Bugatti, Chiron, long tail. I mean, they made a cool point. It's a great R&D thing for them. But but I believe Koenigsegg had this. Now, Adam and I interviewed Koenigsegg a little while back, and he's not one to rest on his laurels. So uh, I'm sure he's already putting things in order to go, well, this is a fun little friendly banter we can get into, see if he could go 335 or whatever. But uh, the guys at SSC uh, set a record. They they did 331 miles per hour uh, top speed, basically on a closed down public highway in Pahrump, Nevada, I believe. And the two run average back to back was 316 miles an hour. But 331 was their top speed, and uh, and then the driver was saying it was getting a little. Little squirrely, which is funny. You watch the video and it looks super smooth and quiet. But yeah. at that speed, everything is happening so fast that a little twitch in the steering wheel could be like, you know, just he's oh, like, it, it, you know, little twitches in the steering wheel. And, and he comes back. And he goes, I was fighting the wind the whole time. It was just so crazy. And you're like, you look like you're not doing anything, buddy. You look like you're yeah. just sitting there. And at the end, he's so happy. He's like, I don't know what happened. Did he's, he win? Yeah, he's, yeah, like, he's taking his hand off the wheel at three at 300. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's just kind of winding down. And uh, uh, What were those tires rated at? That's my I, question. I, you know, that's I mean, a, all of the components, were they were, – were I mean, there's so many crazy things about what they did. The the car is privately owned. I believe a doctor owns the car. Somebody who had uh, – somebody was familiar with the brand. He owned one of their cars previously when they were coming up with this model, the Tuatara. And they said, hey, would you be interested in having the first one? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and oh, by the way, he got caught doing 275 on the way back to Vegas. <laughs> yeah, right? No, I would get it. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. When they offered him the first one, he said, sure, that'd be great. And uh, and then they made an agreement that when they would try to do the top speed run, they would use his car. So he gets a little little something-something extra as far as bragging rights with the car. So being the guy that essentially – Help help fund the program right by, yeah, by building the car. Exactly. So, uh, it it the video is kind of cool to see because you you have no idea how fast these guys are actually going, and it's impressive to see. I would like to see. Uh, I I didn't go through all of the video stuff. I'm sure there's more. I watched the in car footage, so I'd like mm-hmm. to see that edited together with some of the outside footage. I want to see that car go by. I want to hear that car go by. Did you watch the one that had the Firefly 360 footage in there? Yeah, that's the one. And they, yeah, they kind of moved around a little bit. Yeah. Um, that was kind of cool to see because I was like, oh, is there somebody Definitely. else in the car? And then you realize the way it was moving was all uh, uh, electronic. So they did a good job. The engine, uh, <laughs> the engine makes 1,350 horsepower on 91 octane, and then it has an E85 mode. That bumps it to 1,750 horsepower. And I know Good this God. sounds crazy, but Tom Nelson at Nelson Racing Engines does this a couple times a month, it seems like. he's He's got his crate engine packages that are putting out this kind of power. He builds these, these engines and they work with like dual fuel tanks and, and his, the computer he sets up. Uh, runs it on 91 or E85 or any combination thereof. And you can do switch controls. You can do street and sport and race. And he's he's getting so incredibly sophisticated with this stuff. We talked to Tom a few times over the years because he very famously built the engine in David Freiberger's F-bomb Camaro, that like military green Camaro. And then later in one of the Fast and Furious movies when they're like running through the desert, I think in Mexico, and it's doing the wheelie and the, they recreated the, the car and, and you know added a bunch of weight to the back to do the wheelie. But I we had the car here. We had the car here in the studio, well, outside, mm-hmm. and uh, spoke to Tom a few times and it's – just the, the way these things work, it's kind of a small world, was a week ago, I reached out to Tom and I said, hey, man, you know, I, I, 
how's it going with the you know with the shop? And I'm looking at your crate engines. I've got some some questions. I'm going to be building this this engine for my truck. And and before I get into this thing, I just want to maybe swing by, see how you're doing, check out the shop. I want to run a few questions by you. And got back to me immediately. And of course, as nice as always, he's like, "Come by anytime. I'll share every bit of knowledge I possibly have with you. Whatever you got." And I said, "Thank you so much." And then a few days later. SSC sets a top speed mm-hmm. record, 331 miles an hour, and it's his engine. He makes the engines. You for shouldn't cars. procrastinate, man. You should have been there the day before. He would have told you. I know. I know. He probably would have told me that this was happening. But uh, uh, the thing looks fantastic. And congratulations to those guys and congratulations to Tom. Uh, I'm hoping to go out there maybe next week and uh, and chat with him a little bit. And I'm pretty sure that's going to result in a follow-up with him uh, being on the show at some point because uh, – Well, that and it's also – it also sold an engine for him because I need his information, man. I got to build a car around one of those. <laughs> Are you oh, my kidding God. Me? It, it, it's it, – and he's got – well, the other thing he announced that caught my attention, he's got he's got his LS base engine, supercharged and turbo, and then he created the mirror image turbos. And if you think about twin turbos, the you, you know the inlet and outlets are the same. So when you do one on the left side, one on the right side, you have to kind of swirl around. You know they go to the same direction. So he worked with Turbonetics. He got a patent on it and he created it and they built it for him. Mirror image turbos. So. One is the exact opposite of the other. So when you do twin turbos on their engine, you get some symmetry to it, and it looks mm-hmm. fantastic, and they work great. Uh, we've spoken to, spoken to them a few times about those mirror image turbos. So as LS-based engines, you can get supercharged, uh, I believe, with Whipples and uh, with the turbos. Um, and then he's got uh, big blocks. Uh, he does big block Chevys. And he said very much coming soon. His, well, he does the Ford engines as well, but the uh, the small blocks and, and big blocks, he'll do whatever you want. But he announced a his line of Coyote crate engines. And I imagine nice. it's going to be kind of crazy, whether it be supercharging or turbocharging or mirror image turbocharging. But um, – Having him sort of get into something like that and and learn about that engine, it's good, it's bad, it's it's weak points, it's strengths, mm-hmm. and uh, be able to really uh, flex his muscles. Because I, you know, listen, we can make seven eight hundred horsepower all day long with those engines because they're very capable, they're very durable, and with supercharging. But that's not really the Tom Nelson way. So uh, I, I would expect to see twelve, thirteen, fifteen hundred horsepower. Wait to see. <laughs> And just, so I'm going to go pick his brain about some of that stuff as well and see what he has to say. Ask him when the Mopar lineup's coming up. I know. That's a that's an interesting uh, a question for him as well. That's another reason why we're going to have to get him out here to talk about that. Um, the next bit of news. So did you see the new 1,000-horsepower Ridgeline that, that, that uh, GMC released? <laughs> oh, no, the, the Hummer. <laughs> yeah. But, I think it's good looking though. I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying with the with the ridge line. Um <laughs> took you a minute though. Yeah, yeah, I was like, oh wait a minute. Oh yeah, the Humvee. So uh I, it's funny how we're de- debuting cars now. We're doing we're not really doing like Super Bowl commercials. We're doing like, I don't know, the voice or or wherever it debuted. Yep. Um so here's the thing. GMC announces the the Hummer EV. Now, we knew this was coming. We talked about this for a while. The specs on it are impressive. There's going to be several versions in the lineup, um, but the the top of the lineup is a a three-motor with torque vectoring, um, and you saw the whatever the crab walk mode that all it had with, with the all wheel yeah. steering and the all wheel drive yeah. that was a cool little feature they kind of teased yep. that at some point 6 inch uh, lift in the uh, yeah that was the rock crawl or whatever the mode yeah that you so were there's just different about. there's different suspension modes you can raise it you mm-hmm. can lower it and i believe it's set up for 35 inch tires but uh but the people are saying the body work could go, as high could as go to 37 now, here's the thing is unless GMC 
designs it specifically for wheel and tire changes, I don't know how you make that work on an EV vehicle because when we change wheels and tire sizes, we have to recalibrate speedometer mm-hmm. and, and whatever, accommodate for gear ratios. You're, you're adding or, or, or decreasing basically gear ratios when you do that kind of stuff, you know, on, on anything, any, any, yeah. any one of your cars and trucks and whatever. So there must be – GMC would, would – it would be a home run for them if they said, hey, no problem. You can just go into some setting without plugging in the device, without going to the dealer and go, I'm going to run 37s on the thing and I'm just going to program it for 37s in some – Well, yeah, as, a, as opposed to it, it running the battery down because you got you know more weight or, or, on the vehicle. Right. Also, you don't want it to like – throw off all the electronics and the truck oh, is going 60 when it thinks it's doing 58 and and yep. like i who knows what that does i i i was starting to ask the guys over at um at Acura at one point uh you know i wasn't asking the engineers i was asking the pr guys but i was saying hey the nsx is cool it's got the gas engine and it's got the electric motors but if i start to modify the gas engine how does that work with the electric motors yeah you know <laughs> You know, and their response, and uh, they're like, "I don't know. I'll have to get back to you <laughs> on that one." I, we, didn't, <laughs> we didn't really get like a response on it, but if you think about it, if if the electric motors kick in or or the gas engine kicks in at a certain speed, and it was designed that way, what if we change the power output of the of the gas engine? How does that affect the electric motors? You know, or, or you know, does, would it be in a simplistic way of them kicking in at the same speed, or would it? be some type of alteration yes does it does it know already is it just a speed thing it's a power thing if it's a speed thing that it's going to know it's going faster you know even though we increase power so that's easy but who who knows how all of this works so i'm kind of curious but anyway the uh the the hummer ev is expected to 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 have a thousand horsepower I don't think they released the torque number in their fancy little commercial. They did, but I think unless I missed it, which I didn't, I didn't rewind it to go back. But I think that I think they mixed up, or I mixed up the towing capacity with the torque number. Right, because somebody else posted a number and they said torque, and I was like, I don't know if that's eleven thousand. Eleven thousand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so obviously it's the towing capacity and I either screwed up or they made a serious faux pas in their advertising. But Well, it's it's a big it's a big vehicle and it's gonna be heavy and and they're saying it's still zero to sixty in about three seconds. So this thing's gonna scoot around. So I it could be just just tons of torque. Here's the thing How about the is, charging. I mean there there's some cool there. I, 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 the first thing I said about it, obviously, is that it's ugly, mm-hmm. but because I'm an H1 guy, you know, I had an H1, I'm the big ostentatious, monstrous dude that can only go 85 down the highway. And then they <laughs> yeah. changed it to the little grocery getter, you know, the H2. And I was expecting something more reminiscent of the first version. And so, obviously, you know, I'm going to attack the visual, but the technology behind it from watching that debut i mean that's very impressive there's a lot of stuff going on there it also impressive is the 350 mile range and i believe that Absolutely. range is for 10 minutes 100 miles right now here's the thing about charging is you have to have the capacity to generate that amount of power to yep. charge the vehicle so you need a a massive charging system and plugging it in at home is not going to cut it and plugging it in at at the mall is not going to cut it but, like the Porsche, right? Right. Yeah, the the Taycan, uh, that has it as well. If you could find the infrastructure to to charge it, and which means you're probably going to have to build it on your property if somebody committed to this type of vehicle, right? Mm-hmm. And and as we're seeing more and more houses that come up for sale, even new builds, they're saying, uh, you know, they're they're building garages now with 220 and stuff in the garages, so you can hang yes. your you know Tesla charger, BMW charger, whatever brand. Porsche, whatever brand you're going with, which is kind of interesting. Now, the other models you're going to see, this is the three-motor torque vectoring version. There could be a three-motor without torque vectoring uh, version of the vehicle and a two-motor version. Um, Now, the way I understand it is the big dog is 
over a hundred thousand dollars. This is this is a hundred. I don't know, twelve, one hundred eighteen, twelve, yeah, somewhere in that range. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's expensive anymore. Like I don't know. <laughs> you know, these things get so complicated, and uh, there's so much technology and R and D that goes them. Like if you told me it was one hundred and twelve thousand dollars for the fully loaded big version, I got a thousand horsepower and three hundred fifty mile range. I'd say. Yeah, uh, okay. That seems that seems fine to me. And then if you said GMC lost thirty thousand per vehicle, I still wouldn't be surprised. If you said they no. made a huge profit, I wouldn't be surprised. There's just no way either. Either way, I have no way of knowing. You yeah. know. Um, but uh, anyway, as I'm cruising through some of the notes, it looks interesting. Uh, some people are going to like the design. Some people are going to hate the design. But on some level, this feels a little bit like what the Tesla truck should have been. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, the Tesla truck is going to look goofy on the road, but it's going to stand out. People, everyone's going to know Tesla truck. But how functional is the truck going to be? Again, it's much more utilitarian than this. Yes, it it looks more gimmicky than it does functionally. Oh, yeah. And uh, this, you know. GMC knows they they want to sell some of these things, so making a Hummer EV, it needs to have, you know, it needs to have, you know, the tailgate that folds down in three different versions, and the step up, and the and it can do this, yeah. and it can do that. Like it's gotta it's gotta have all the capabilities and all the little knickknacks and storage and off road capabilities and things you'd expect in like a Silverado, you know, turned up a bit, you know, because oh, yeah. so many people are gonna say, well. Humvee EV is cool, but for the premium I'm paying, is just going straight full EV worth the premium over something like, say, the F-150 hybrid, right? Which has some really cool features that we talked about. Uh, mm-hmm. is, is, it, is it enough? Are you going to get enough truck with the Hummer EV to say it's worth the massive increase of price over – you know, I think it's a different it's a different market. It's a completely different market, I believe. Yes, and then you have to kind of think about who's who's going to be the audience. Is this so cool and fresh and new that they're bringing people new to the brand or is this going to take away a little bit from their Silverado sales? If they're saying, "Hey, maybe maybe you want something, you're in a Silverado now, you want something a little different." That's unique and kind of badass go to Hummer EV. So and arguably if it's more profitable than then albeit GMC is going to be happy and all of GM's going to be happy. But another option. Um you know anyway we talked about the hundred and whatever twelve thousand dollar price range, but I think the base model two motor whatever version is going to be eighty grand. It's like seventy nine mm-hmm. nine ninety five. So you're what's gonna have the Mach E? Uh it's it was funny I, I watched some other uh video and uh, some other uh, oh i was watching um goodwood you know because they did the goodwood yeah, yeah. speed week thing and uh von gittin jr he's gonna be on the show soon he went out there in the crazy 1400 horsepower drift version mach e yeah. and and uh the commentators for goodwood who we've commented on them always doing a great job uh the guy called it the mac e <laughs> Just like uh, the Mackie. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Good there job. Is. And uh, I laughed out loud when I heard it. Um, <laughs> I think uh, the Maki is uh, somewhere in the 30s, like $40,000 base. I think the spread on it is like 40 to 60 or 40 to 62. Don't quote me. It could be like 38 to 61, somewhere in that range, depending on the base model and the GT model yeah. and the range and, the, and whatever. There's a few options in it. But Gotcha. Uh, but curious. I think they're going for a little bit more volume with that than, than oh, yeah. anything else. By the way, Bronco we talked about, which was a pretty pretty big success for for their launch. I think they got a hundred thousand pre orders, which is a fantastic mm-hmm. number for for a unique kind of specialty vehicle like that. Well, and, uh, and during the times too. Yeah, let me. Uh, let me hit our friends at uh, at Geico real quick. You know what's really scary? Oh man, seeing just how much you could be saving on car insurance by switching to Geico. It's almost as scary as that homemade elf costume your mom made you wear in junior high school. I'm looking at Chris on this one. Geico couldn't erase the memory tripping down the hallway in those pointy shoes, but they could 
save you 15% or more on car insurance. So stop waking up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night wondering what happened to that green onesie. Just switch to Geico and save. In 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Uh, all right. Love those guys. Appreciate that. Um, speaking of Bronco, I, I can't help but equate a little side-by-side action. I'm driving the Land Rover Defender. And I, I do have some some thoughts on this. The Land Rover Defender gained popularity because of its unique kind of ability, its off-road capabilities, <coughs> but also very raw, rattle your teeth on a freeway, just a very utilitarian vehicle, but but kind of badass in, in every way. Uh, which is interesting. And then Defender, Land Rover comes out with new Defender. They're going to do the two-door and the four-door, and they're going to do the 110 and the 90. Um, and uh, and I believe they're going to do a 130, which is the four-door. It's the same wheelbase as the four-door Defender 110 that I'm driving, but the bodywork will be extended, so the third row will have more room to it. So for uh, that will come out at some point, but I'm driving the uh, the four door, the uh, 2020 Defender 110 SE, um, and uh, you know I started driving it. I started reading up about it, and I started driving it some more. And uh, I'm only a few days into it. Um, could have more information next week, and if my if my initial thoughts on it change, but. I, I like it. First of all, you do like it. I do like it. Yeah. First of all, seeing it in person is cooler than seeing it in the photos. There's something about mm-hmm. the photos where the proportions or the angles are just not doing it much justice. When you see the flares in the rear and some of the angles on it, it looks kind of cool. Now I started driving this one and then someone in my neighborhood has one and they got the whatever that suitcase hanging off the side of the rear window and it's supposed to look like you know like storage whatever they need that in LA. yeah i i didn't like that look on it it made it kind of bulky and it seemed too plasticky it didn't feel like the point of that is like cool like storage for off-roading and camping or whatever and i'm sure it's functional but the design of this truck is kind of futuristic and although it's meant to be an off-road vehicle, it's kind of modern and futuristic, and it's got some smooth lines to it and very good gaps on it and flush lights. And I don't know, the bags on it were – I don't know. I think with the right photo shoot, it looks cool. But then when you drive it home and you park it on the side of the road or something like that, you know, take it to the grocery store, it just looks weird, looks out of place. Maybe if it was, like, covered in dirt, like somebody actually just took it off-road, yeah. it would kind I of fit. Actually used it. Yeah, but uh, anyway, I didn't like it with the bags hanging off of it, but I do like it without it. And I was kind of surprised, um, first of all, when I got into it, and I haven't been into it before, even at the auto shows, um, I, I never got a chance to get into it. And on online and social media, people have been kind of hating on it a lot. They're just like, I don't know, it doesn't look right, and it's never going to do what it's going to need to do. And Because Land Rover as a brand has, has gone such upscale. It just turned into you know the, the off-road mall shopper, basically. It's the Beverly yeah. Hills car. And, and they're gorgeous inside, and they run smooth, and it's a beautiful SUV. And, and you know, I, I, I've driven every version of, of Land Rover, Range Rovers, and, 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 of course, the sister company, all the the Jaguars, SUVs and stuff. And I like them. They're, they're, they're nice. They're, they're pretty. They, they, they have fantastic interiors, but the Defender needed to be an off-road vehicle. And I, I think people's thoughts were Land Rover's not going to do it. They're just going to slap a badge on something that is out there. And, uh, you know, based off of some existing platform, and mm-hmm. then, uh, and then it's going to totally miss the mark. Especially when they said, "Hey, there's not going to be live axles. It's going to be independent, four wheel independent suspension." People are like, "It's never going to work. It's never going to work." Well, let me tell you, it works. First of all, when you get into it, it does have a utilitarian feel to it. It feels like, and not to pick on Jeep, it's just a different model. But that's the leader in this group. It's a fancy Jeep Wrangler, and mm-hmm. I and and. 
By the way, when I say fancy Jeep Wrangler, I don't mean price because we'll get into that in a second. What I mean is the interior of it um, is is a nice combination between the, like something Jeep Wrangler-ish, maybe even new Bronco, and the luxury of, of Land Rover. Mm-hmm. It has grab rails everywhere. There's on the dash and on the top, on the sides. It's very cool in that respect that you can grab a couple guys or grab your buddies or kids, wife, or or you're riding shotgun, the wife's driving, and you're trying to hold on to the, to the old shit handles. Well, they're everywhere. And uh, it, it's cool. And there's storage cubbies everywhere. You can you can put stuff on the dash. You can put it underneath the dash in the middle. There's just storage everywhere, which is great. And as they started to put that storage everywhere, they started to put like power outlets and uh, USB outlets and you know 110 outlets and cigarette lighter adapters. There there's got to be 15 of them in the vehicle I think we've counted. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. And it has a nice combination of, you know, the leather, the soft touch leather, and then some body colored plastic in the doors. It gives it kind of an off roady feel, but also kind of feels like, oh, that's easier to clean, you know. And then, you know, the one I've got, it's got like kind of the, let's say the all weather floor mats are kind of plasticky. So it's got a little bit of dust in it, but now you're thinking, oh, you know what, though? You know what you didn't want was plush two inch thick. You know, wool. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, floor mats out of the Rolls Royce Ghost, right? Those things are fantastic when you're cruising. You take your shoes off, or you're curling your feet in the Rolls Royce carpets, but you didn't want that in this truck. Now, I haven't taken it off road, but as you start to read all this stuff, by the way, it just won 2021 Motor Trend SUV of the Year, and largely because it was one of the best at this point combinations of off-road capability and on-road capability. And if it didn't if it wasn't one, it would never pass as a as an updated defender. Yes, as great as the Jeep is off-road, not necessarily the best on-road. And then when you get into something like the Raptor and I would argue the upcoming Dodge TRX that suspension is so compliant, big tires, off-road suspension, it, it's going to kind of glide over the road. Um, but you're, you're going to be – you have a trade-off of big tires and steering ratios and feedback mm-hmm. on the steering and how much power assist you need. And although the Raptor, I kept telling people, hey, the Raptor is the most comfortable F-150, <laughs> you know. Um, no doubt. Because yeah. that, that suspension is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, and although I have driven – Several versions of the Raptor. Yeah, I I kind of think this Defender takes the cake. It's not wildly better, but it is better. Now I haven't done it off road yet, but what I'm reading about the off road capabilities, this thing actually does perform. It it has fantastic off road capabilities, um, which was necessary, right? But but does it does it satiate that deep ingrown feeling of a defender of an old school defender the difference between the Range Rover and the Defender as it was twenty years ago it, it, do you do you still feel any of that in that vehicle or is it just an updated version of that I you know I haven't spent much time in the original Defender so I. I but everybody that owns it owns it, and they have sort of similar stories like I do with my truck. You know, I get in my truck, and it's just – it's bumpy. It's loud. It's compare, but and, people love the yeah, feeling. It's yeah. something about the entire package that can't be replicated in another vehicle, and it's, and it's, it, it's owned by the Defender, right? So for the, for the purists, are they going to get that? In that vehicle. That's what I'm curious about. Because I know it's going to be of high quality. There's no question. It's going to be great off-road. It's going to be a great dual vehicle. But is it? does it satiate the purists? You know, th- that's that's going to be a good question. I, I think the only way to get them on board was to not suffer an off-road ability. And I think it has that. Yeah. But it doesn't have the rawness of 
of the original vehicles, right? And but when you get into it, it's it's funny. It's it's funny how to explain it. If you get into the interior and the interior was too nice, you'd be like, they screwed it up. It's a Range Rover. Mm-hmm. But they needed a right combination of making it better than the than the competitors out there. Let's mm-hmm. let's call them just lesser priced competitors. It needs to fit the Land Rover brand, but still fill that that desire of a cool off-road vehicle. If if the interior was completely covered in leather, like the Range Rover autobiography or something, or you know, uh Velar or something like that, then you would probably feel more like it's too much luxury, they miss the mark. Right? So in that respect, because of its off-road capability and because they didn't do the interior too nice, I think it will make some of the Defender people happy. You know, can't speak for everybody, but I think it's it was it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Now, when you get into the engines, there's a two-liter four-cylinder, and then I'm driving the three-liter six-cylinder the three-liter six-cylinder is turbo engine. It's 395 horsepower, 406 pound-feet of torque. It's an eight-speed automatic transmission, and I believe it has a 48-volt uh, like electric system, and it has sort of a uh, electric supercharger, if you will, which helps as far as fuel mileage and somewhere in that 395 horsepower it equates to like a 10 horsepower bump but we're starting to see yeah. these these 48 volt systems pop up on on some interesting cars but this is the part that's interesting is i believe the base price of of these and uh i, I don't have the base in front of me i've got i've got the Monroni for the one that i'm driving but i think they start in the low 50s Whoa. Okay? Uh, which is impressive. Now, yeah. I'm driving a 2020 Defender 110 SE. The the base price of this one is 62, and then it has a handful of options. You know, um, as the climate pack, heated windshield, and w- washer jets, and heated steering wheel, and and uh, you know things like that, and, and the huge panoramic roof, which is seventeen hundred bucks. It's beautiful and it works, but mm-hmm. it it's uh you know the fancy paint and Sirius XM. So this one came out at seventy two thousand one eighty. But what's a Jeep Rubicon with the off road packages? This has the off road packages. Absolutely, it's you know the Jeep Rubicon, the you know let's say the four door. With uh, the off-road packages and and most of the options and Sirius XM and all that stuff, you're 60, at sixty thousand. Right? Yeah, you're sixty thousand yeah. for the Jeep. So uh, this isn't wildly different. Again, you don't have to spend seventy two thousand. These things start. But it at sounds 50. like it's wildly better. It, I think it <laughs> is. I think it is better. But here's the thing: yeah. if if all you're doing is off-roading and you're building a purpose-built built vehicle or if your intention is – and we've talked about this before. If your intention is to personalize a lot and modify your vehicle, I think you're going to want the Jeep, right? You're, Wait for the two-door. Yeah, or you're going to want the Bronco, right? Because that's going to be cool as well. But yeah. if you want something turnkey that you're probably not going to personalize a lot – look, we're, we go to the SEMA show. There's 500 Jeeps. You know, we'll go to the SEMA show yeah. next year. There's going to be three of these, two of these, right? <laughs> but I, but as I said, I want to see the two-door. I want to see the two-door stripped down to its basic. So you tell me that those people aren't going to want to customize that? I, I'm sure they 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 will. Because look at the price point of it. I mean, let's I, I agree. Yeah. If, if you get in, if you walk in there and you're like, I just want the two-door, give me a Defender 90. Uh, That's the I, one want the, I want to you know but maybe with the with the V6 engine and maybe they're like okay the the engine is a couple grand so 55 grand you, you walk out the door and now you can start doing what you want wheels tires your snorkel and all kinds of off-roady stuff on it um you could you could probably have some fun with it I want to say this thing is like 0 to 60 in I don't know 6 6.5 seconds um not the fastest thing in the world but it feels quick when I got on it 
I, it's funny. I started driving it, and I was like, I don't think these are V8 cars. I didn't even look at the engine. I didn't even look at the Monroney. I just got in it, drove it, and I immediately said, oh, this thing's got a turbo on it. This thing is not naturally aspirated. It's got turbo, supercharger, or something. And uh, it turns out it's it's turbo. And then I was like, because I, I just didn't imagine it had uh, a V8 in it. Now, the the two-liter... I don't know that the two liter is going to really sell any here in the U.S. There's probably um, different countries, and and don't quote me on which ones or whatever. But there's probably different countries where the title and registration and things like that are based on the cubic inches of the engine, you know, so it adds cost to it. But it's not really more efficient than this V6. The V6 turbo with the 48-volt system and blah, 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 it's, it's about the same gas mileage. This thing is, uh, you know, it, it's 17 city, 22 highway, 19 averages according to their specs on the Monroney. You really got to get into, like, uh, our buddies at Edmonds, and they do a pretty good, you know, yeah, the fuel, horsepower fuel is probably 150 thing. less. Yeah, that's the thing. It's just like you you want this thing with the 395 horsepower. I drove oh, it, yeah. and it felt a little quick, and it, it felt good, um, and it was fun to drive. But if you cut that horsepower in half, <laughs> I'm like, I just, I'm just not, I don't know. I'm just not seeing it, uh, <laughs> um, you know, unless I'm missing something. Maybe if there was a diesel version of this where it was quick, you know, up to 30 miles an hour and then it Up just kind 30. of, you know, and then it kind of, you know, just off the line. It just felt a little quick yeah. or it had an incredible amount of uh, uh, power. But anyway, the thing looks uh, fantastic. Um, I think you guys, I think you guys need to read up a little bit on if you're If you're looking for one, if you're thinking about shopping for one, I think you read up a little bit on it. Definitely go through some of the, um, well, the Motor Trend SUV of the year award that it got it's a pretty good article because they talk a lot. They don't get so much into the specs of the vehicle. There's another review that they have for that. They talked about the emotion of it, and that's a big mm-hmm. selling point. And emotion doesn't win the award, but emotion does sell vehicles. And and I got into it, and I was like, I like that it's kind of utilitarian. I like that there's storage and, and grab handles everywhere because it, it – even as I'm driving down the PCH, heading up to the house in Malibu, <laughs> I'm going, I don't have to go to Malibu with this thing. I could go other places. I feel confident it could go other places. And and I like that. It's the same reason why people buy, I don't know, buy a, a G-Wagon and they drive around Beverly Hills or, or of course, the you know Raptors and they never leave. They never get dirt on them because you kind of like the idea that it could. Yeah. But uh, anyway, it's, it's a – I'm impressed. I'll I'll give you guys some more information maybe next week if my opinion changes. But I like where it's uh, where it's going. Let me give you a little more uh, information from our friends at Dodge. Um, as we were talking about, we all know that Dodge means horsepower and muscle, of course. But did you know that that uh, JD Power they just ranked it uh, number one in initial quality. And J.D. Power also named Dodge the automotive company with the best driver appeal for mass market brands. Interesting. It's number one initial quality and appeal in the same year. That's impressive. It's the first time a domestic automotive brand ran away with both awards in the same year. With enough style, horsepower, and performance to make your muscle car dreams come true, it's no wonder that they can do this. There's never been a better time now to join the Brotherhood of Muscle, see your local dealer, or visit Dodge.com today. All right. So – they have great cars stuff. with their choice of Santa Clauses. Yeah. Them over the top. <clears throat> uh, all right. We're running out of time. We're going to head out and run. I'm just going to leave this with you guys. If you live in a very rainy place, let's say Florida, maybe a beautiful Washington state, and you're cruising around in your Tesla Model 3, well, that rear bumper <laughs> tends to fill up with, with water and falls off your car. So Make sure uh, you got a good rear, rear view, mirror view of where it's landing. That, that's right. So go ahead and feel free to reach out to your friendly neighborhood Tesla dealer and say, hello, I have fears of my bumper falling off with full of water. <laughs> I bet you were so happy to read that because you had some more ammo. It's been a while. No, it's just, I just laugh at it they're taking care of it they're they're all they're they're doing what they're supposed to do they're gonna take care of it but it was just a weird thing you know it's just a weird thing it's like yeah the 
it fills up with water and it starts to sag and then falls off. I'm like, well, they didn't think of that. I, they they did not think of that. Um, you know, as I quote the great Elon Musk, he said, "Making cars is hard." <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Au revoir. Um, oh all right, God. so. Uh, I'm going to go and uh, hopefully visit our friend uh, Tom Nelson um, uh, before we get back into the studio next week, see what's going on with him. And I'm trying to work this out. Uh, We're going to have to change schedules a little bit to make it work, but I'm trying to get our buddy Von Gittin Jr. back on the show. But between his racing and he was just at Goodwood, he's throwing around that electric Mach-E, the (laughs) Mach-E. The Mach-E. All over the place. By the way, his video – his uh, he's waiting for the drop, and I don't I don't hear that. But uh, his video from Goodwood was uh, was hilarious because he got he started taking off in the fourteen hundred horsepower drift Mach E and uh, and got sideways, went through the grass, back onto the track, the and just started. There it is, <laughs> started uh, hauling ass again in that thing. But uh, uh, great videos coming out of Goodwood, by the way, for uh, for their. Um, I forgot what they were calling it. It's kind of like a speed week or something. It was, it was uh, sort of a no spectator version of of their events, all of the racing and stuff. So it looked kind of cool. So check that out if you guys get a chance. The Mackey, <laughs> boom! <laughs> all right. Uh, and on that note, yeah. All right. So is there anything we're missing? Not we're good, for me, man. You know? All right, guys. Uh, Thanks so much, and uh, always appreciate you guys listening, and uh, uh, love you guys for that. So uh, until next time, keep the air and the spare and the bag and the wheel. And don't hit any deer. (laughs) For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCastShow. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit carcastshow.com. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening and we'll be back next week for more car stuff you're going to love. And uh, another word from our friends at Geico. You know what's really scary? It's seeing how much you could be saving on your car insurance by switching to Geico. It's almost as scary as that homemade elf costume your mom made you wear in junior high school. Well, Geico can't erase the memory of tripping down the hallway in those pointy shoes, but they can save you 15% or more on car insurance. So stop waking up at night in a cold sweat wondering what happened to that green onesie. Just switch to Geico and save. In 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance.